Originally intended for private use only, this podcast serves as the last original material recorded by the Peach and Black podcast for you, the listeners. May you live to see the dawn. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Peach and Black podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. He's going for gold. He's going on this track. The captain. If anyone knows me, I love 80s classic rubbish pop. Player. It's kind of interesting where he was at that point in any, any life. Ojan. The word I've got here circled is sap. It's just sappy. And other special guests. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. It's hello? the Peach and Black podcast, and we're back again with another album review. It's been a while. This time we're going to get into Chaos and Disorder, the 1996 release. 15 years. Yeah, and before we do that, you heard from one of them. Let's introduce the panel from left to right. Player? 40 days of being played, ain't proud. <laughs> Toe Jam? Grab your condoms, Bacardi, and let's party. <laughs> Captain? Can you hear me, people? I'm six feet in a grave! <laughs> wow. He's been waiting the whole time. You've been waiting three years to use that line, haven't you? Oh, uh, I thought yes. you were going to say, if you had 15 ladies, you'd only artichoke one. <laughs> and um, yes, I'm, I'm back again as well. All that aside, let's get into this release. We'll go straight into it because we haven't done one of these for a, a little bit. Um, I don't know what to do. <laughs> a very peculiar item in the man's discography, if I can say so myself. What, is it, what, what did it say? Originally intended for private use only, the last material recorded for Warner Brothers, something along those lines. And uh, this CD, like we said, came out in 1996, the fourth, yeah. technically the fourth CD that he released that year. And did this come first or second? I can't remember, before Emancipation or after. This, this was before. Yeah. yeah, this came out in... July, 9th of July. Hmm. And Emancipation was what, October? November or something. November. And our listeners might be wondering, why have you skipped Emancipation? And uh, we'll get to it, that's all we'll say. Well, we haven't <laughs> skipped it. We, we're we usually going backwards, but... Roughly. When there's an anniversary, we've got to do it. Yeah. Before we go into our song-by-song discussion, has anyone got any thoughts, any, anything that they wanted to uh, bring up before we go into things? I was going to say, was this the last of the contractual obligation albums, but The Vault was, so this was the second last one. Mm. Yeah, but the strange thing about this one is that this one is attributed to the symbol, whereas all the other contractual yes. obligation albums are, are credited to Prince, which is kind of strange, and I, I don't know whether that's... I think I read a story about Warner Brothers not being happy about the fact that his albums... His contractual albums would be released under Prince when he's now known as the symbol. So I think they must have worked out some deal with this one where it would be credited to the symbol for some reason. Okay. Because supposedly he just dumped all three on the desk and go, there you go, contract's done. Yeah, I, I suspect also it could have been because I'm guessing the majority of this one was perhaps recorded after he'd already changed his name, whereas, say, um, The Vault and uh, Karma and those kind of things were probably recorded beforehand. Mm, sounds possible. Not sure, not sure. There's a few songs in this, though, that date back to those Prince sessions. Yeah, mm. yeah definitely. Because, yeah, this is all Sunny T, Michael B, so it was recorded before February 96, at the latest, even though this was released in uh, July. Yeah, I'd say most of it was recorded 
post-93, though. So 93, 94, 95, just by the sound of it. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think, because remember he used to play the videos for, like, the same December and Zana Lee after... That's right. The 90... No, before the Gold Experience tour show. So this stuff was a year and a half old when it came out. That's right. Yeah. But then this whole recording session was done in Miami in, like, two days or something, supposedly, mm. the engineer said. Hmm. Well, you get the feel from that, don't you? There's not a lot of... um. Sounds like the first few takes, you'd guess. Yeah. Mm. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get into it and oh. talk about it. <laughs> We'll get into that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other memories, thoughts, feelings about about when this came out? I guess this came out before I was officially a fan. So for me, it was um, one of those discs that I just picked up somewhere along the way and listened to a few times. <laughs> uh, how about you guys? I, I, I remember it being a bit of a surprise album because there was a lot of talk about the gold experience before that. There was, you know, that was like in the lead up to that, constantly talking about gold experience. And then there was talk about emancipation leading up, but there was no talk about this particular album, even though there was mm. like the same December and Zena Lee and all that, like those were songs floating around, but this album would just came out of nowhere. And it was like, it was to me, it was like, this is something that he just gave Warners and they've just thrown it out. So yeah, it was a kind of a surprise album. You know, another thing saying how old this material is, he played Zena Lee on the undertaker, which was 93. Mm. So there, it's at least three and a half years old. Mm. Three years some old. Of the, some of the songs, not all of yeah. them, but yeah, some of them date back to then. Mm. Yeah, and you'd think, I mean, it's possible that none of the material is from 96, considering how much work you'd imagine he would be putting into Emancipation that was released later that year. So really, if we take a guess, we're all saying, what, 93, 94, maybe a little bit of 95. So it's kind of like, it's kind of that, that real classic NPG trio era that Captain and some of the rest of us uh, really like. Yeah. So if uh, no one's got anything else to say, maybe we should go straight into it and talk about the first track, the opening track on this album, Chaos and Disorder, is the title track, aptly named Chaos and Disorder. Disorder track one opens up this rocking album player what are your thoughts on this opening track uh i think it is a good opener to the album it's um very cool the cool thing was for me was having the main riff of the album being lifted from the coda part of peach on the um what was the vhs called sacrifice of victor yeah and so I was familiar with that part of it. And when I started to play this CD, I was like, I, where have I heard that before? And it's like, yeah, that's the code of a peach. So for him to use that little bit and make a whole song out of it, that was quite cool. And I like, lyrically, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to listen to a, a social, social commentary. I mean, it doesn't really give a solution to the chaos and disorder that he's experiencing. But, you know, it, it does give you an interesting listen as to how words and phrases originally used for one meeting now today are totally different. So it's a cool take on that sort of thing. But yeah, I like the song. I think it's really cool. All right. All right. Captain, I'd imagine you'd be, um, you'd be up for this. This is a good song. It's not the best song on this album, but it's up there. Because first of all, it came from Peach, which is great. So you know it's going to be good. The guitar rocks. I like the organs all over the place, which I'm guessing is Mr. Hayes. There's nothing 
spectacular about this track. But, but does it have to be spectacular? Sorry for butting in on your review. I'll try not um, to. Well, for a, a track, an album opener, you expect something more than just a, an average song. I mean, some people, you know, back in the olden days when you used to go and buy an album, you'd go into, like, the music shop and you could listen to CDs on headphones. And, you'd, you know, <laughs> you listen to the first song. If the first song's not kicking your ass, you'd think, well, I'm not going to buy that. For an album opener, you you got to have a a big song, like Pussy Control. Oh, God. <laughs> oh man, uh, our ratings are going to slide. That is, that's a horrible <laughs> album opener as well, <laughs> and it was only a year before this one. But you're talking about like a big opening. This is a pretty big opening. It's, it's Massive big, guitar it's, riffs, it's big, big drums. Michael B. kicking it. It's big sounding, but it's not that great at an actual track. I mean, structure-wise, chord progression, it's very average. There's nothing interesting about it from that point of view. But it's good. Michael B., the drums, you know, just go off all the way through. Do you like the little sound effects in it? No. You don't like that? No. <laughs> you talk, bloody MC talking about, oh, it's pretty raw and recorded in two days. For all the freaking overdubs on it, I can't stand it. Uh-huh. It's almost as bad as Gold Experience. Uh-oh. It's just Wait a second. overproduced. It's just like he had an extra few days before the deadline. He's like, oh, I'll just stick some more crap on there. <laughs> no, just pass the tape on and get over it. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Like, this is... I mean, Beavis and Butthead on a Prince album, what the hell is that about? <laughs> it's a whoa, perfect... Whoa, whoa. Now, you know what I think that's got to do with? Because it's a running theme of, of this era, and it's, it comes up in Gold Experience, which I'll get to when we do that review. But, you know, the Beavis and Butthead characters, like, the whole cartoon was about them rocking out and all uh, and all that sort of stuff. And oh, in the that's 90s, point. In the 90s, it was all about alternative grunge, Generation X, all that sort of stuff. And, like, I think Prince is trying to fit into, like, what was going on at the time. Mm. And so, like, to reach out to that sort of MTV audience and all that, there's these little references to Beavis and Butthead. And it's it's kind of of this era, and you know with you know Beavis and Butthead, they go they, you know rock on and down down down. Yeah, like they're doing guitar yeah. riffs and stuff like so. Like I think he's just trying to like get through to a generation and an audience, you know, mm. and the relevancy. I think it's just his little joke, his in joke with that. Oh, so yeah, that's that song. Um, the vocals are really good in parts of this song, but that's about the really only standout thing. The guitar. And his vocals in parts, but it's 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 good enough opener. See, but to me, it doesn't. <laughs> to me, it doesn't sound overly produced. Like there's a lot in there, but it, like, oh, they, it's not it's not it's not emancipation style. Okay, the guitars, I reckon, they could be a, they could be a bit up more up in the, up front in the mix. But I mean, really, like you can hear the organ, the bass is popping, the drums are like really echoey and spacious. Like it's not that overproduced. Come on. <laughs> that's, just... that, that's more in other in some other songs as well but it's a bit on this but it's a lot more on some other songs which it totally ruins some other songs okay a quick interlude uh, sort of which will be my review I'll just say like I really like like this song I prefer the live version that was streaming on 3121.com uh, a few years ago which was um, a slow low grade soundboard recording that Oh, is that the uh, one from 2007? Y- yeah, I think so. I think it was from... Um, London. 
Yeah, it was either from London or it was from the 3121 Vegas residency, but it's just that, that that's a really cool version because the guitar's all over the shop. That performance was really cool. But no, this uh, like I think this is a pretty cool driving rock song. In parts, it reminds me of the jam, actually, especially towards the end with all the mm. keys and the bass and all yeah. that. Nice spot. This is a pumping track, and it's a good opener. I wish his guitar was more up in the mix, like I said, but other than that, it's really cool. And the lyrics are kind of quirky. Some of them are a little funny, and, and I guess they're not saying anything major, <laughs> but it, you know they're, they're kind of cool. And it really points to where I think Prince and the people around him might have been at around that point in his life. You know, he was he was the symbol, or at least had changed his name, and he was going through all sorts of stuff. So it kind of has that has that feel to it. This song and and a lot of this album actually. But let's go to Toe Jam. Yeah, they are quirky lyrics. I'll give them that for this for this song. Toe Jam. Uh, I really like the song. I'd probably say it's my favorite on the album. Uh, yeah, uh, wow. it's, a real, it's a really full riff, uh, and I'm kind of the opposite to player. Um, I heard this first before I heard Sacrifice the Victor. So when I saw Sacrifice the Victor, I'm like, oh, it's it's the Chaos and Disorder riff. <laughs> around. So, but that was really, that's a really cool moment when you make that connection. Yeah, um, I'm not a huge fan of the sound effects. Some of them are okay. Some of them are just a bit cheesy. Again, the lyrics are kind of interesting. It doesn't not really sure. You're not really sure how to read it. Uh, I'm a no-name reporter. I wish I had nothing to say. Is he saying that from his perspective or from the reporter's perspective? I don't know. So it's kind of interesting. I like the big guitar and, and keys solely um, at 225. It just sort of flies after the first verse and chorus or first couple of verses and chorus. goes to a different key at 242, which is good. And I like the bit that MC referenced at 3 minutes 13 where there's a little drum solo, then a little guitar solo, organ solo, bass solo, just one after the other. Yeah. It's... um pretty cool featuring the band and i really like the lyric i would only artichoke with one <laughs> just in the respect that you can read it both ways you can read it as he's doing the right thing or you can read it as he's doing the wrong thing so so that's kind of cool yeah i reckon it's probably the best song in the album it's real rocking um he's kind of like again mc said he's really kind of embracing this chaos uh that's in his life at the moment so in that way it's kind of cool yeah best song in the album i think but by no means Woo. by no means like a stellar stellar song so it's all downhill from here for you <laughs> <laughs> wait for it wait for it okay so from from there we go into track number two I like it there on your heavenly body I swear I like it there oh yeah and uh I'll just say Captain you're probably gonna I, I know your thoughts on this but oh. this absolutely killed it <laughs> absolutely killed it and North Sea mm. Night night 2 this song went for like 6 minutes they did a ridiculous live version of it so much better than the album version and um, his guitar was in flames by the end of it so you know th- this to me after hearing that live you know the live version of this track is a bit tame and it's actually kind of like measured. kind of th- contained and measured yeah exactly right it took the words right out of my mouth it's just really controlled and, you know, it's, what, three minutes and ten seconds or something? They don't really work it out. And actually, I'm not a big fan of this song. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this song in general. I mean, it's not a great track. I think it's kind of forgettable. No. Um, no way. 
I always, I never think of this track like Chaos and Disorder. Whenever I think of it, I feel like rocking out to Chaos and Disorder, the the title track. But I like it there. I don't know. It's just I don't think the riff is that memorable. It's still got that raw quality, but maybe the riff isn't as good as as the one that came before it. Chaos and Disorder seems to be a lot more um, memorable to me, and um, just gets stuck in my head. And I mean the lyrics. Within I Like It There are, kind, uh, again, kind of risque, tongue-in-cheek style. So I, I like that side of I like that side of Prince back when he was doing that kind of thing. And this song really rocks, but I've just got to say, North Sea Jazz Fest 2011 second show, I've had the pleasure. I know Toe Jam, I'm a lucky bastard, but it was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was incredible. And um, I think the only, the only time I ever want to hear this song again, really, is in a live setting. Hopefully they'll do it in Sydney if they come over here. So anyway, okay. And uh, on to Captain. That was hard to listen to. Oh, your review, not the song. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Uh, no, I, oh. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I like oh. it, but it's just kind of... All, all I, like I'm saying, I like it there. I like, I like <laughs> it liked, there. He liked it over there. I like it. Yeah, I liked it over there in Holland. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm, I actually do like the song. Like there are part, like I said, I'm, but I just the riff is not unbelievably memorable. He's got so many other ones. True, but this song isn't about the riff. This track is about vocals. Okay. You know, you know how you've got your Gold Experience coffee, which starts off with Endorphin Machine. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to start this album off with track two as well. Oh come on, Chaos and Disorder is a brilliant song. Oh, this is better. This is better. This doesn't have stupid little sound effects every eight seconds <laughs> to spoil it. Chaos and Disorder is an okay start to an album, but this this would have been better. But it's a good song. It's such a simple song, but it rocks. It rocks so well. And like you said, it's not that... It's pretty tame for a studio version, but then, you know, live, you can do whatever you want. And he did. And he did. Um, the bass is amazing. It's, it's sunny. It's got to be sunny tea, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> over it and it's if oh, it's so good his great harmonies on the all the core maybe not the first chorus but all the other ones harmonies vocals it's crazy uh 132 little guitar solo starts and in the background you've got this i like it without the there at the end which i like <laughs> uh, and the verse after that guitar solo is great great backing vocals it's just perfect uh i don't what is it don't think i don't when I do, girl. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds good. And then he screams, and I don't know what that gong is doing at the end, but it, it sounds all right. That's all. <laughs> all right, player. I really like this song. I like the song too. I think it's a good song, but I have to agree with MC. It's there's nothing really memorable there. It's you could put this up against like a Green Day song or like an alternative rock act, and it would still kick your ass and but it'd be like on the same level there's nothing really be uh, you know above and beyond that sets it apart from anything else but mm. it's good it's it's good rocking song has good lyrics enjoyable to listen to i don't hate the song at all but yeah i have to agree with mc it's nothing flashy at all not as yeah. better or worse than chaos and disorder uh, it, it, kind of, it kind of flows like it starts with the rock and the album and then it keeps flying through it's it's still good one other thing i've got to say is there is um emotional ejaculate on the floor <laughs> oh, yeah, they, that's, that's the one oh, not again captain and <laughs> i just slipped on it clean it up this is the one that he he, he said the line didn't he yeah yeah this is the one that in our previous review <laughs> of north sea i i uh, uh wrongly um 
attributed to Bambi. But yeah, he said this line word for word at uh, at the show in uh, North Sea. So it was, I, I was like, what? What's going okay. on here? Yay! <laughs> where, where are we? Toe Jam. Ah, yeah. Um, I really like the song. Yeah. Uh, it's probably my second favorite song on the album. So yeah. one and two, straight up. It's a good opening for you. Yeah. I think this is the closest he ever got to, say, like, player said Green Day and Nirvana, that really 90s punk kind of sound. Um, just, you know, two or three chords in the whole song, just power chords all the way through. And it's, But it's kind of chilled, but then Michael B on the cymbals just smashing it through all the choruses. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you know, I can just see Green Day just playing that at, like, Woodstock 96 or something. There's a massive scream at 250, which is one of his better screams. Mm. Goes on for ages, and he ah 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 keeps going with it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's coming from a kind of dark place, even for Prince. Uh, in even in the video that was released um, in the MP3 I like the one, video. You know, he gives a little rude finger there. Uh, yeah. Again, sort of slightly unlike Prince. Uh, so yeah, it's rocking. It's rocking. A couple of little cheesy bits, like what can I say? Shakespeare hasn't said before. Um, <laughs> That, that kind of that kind of thing, like it's cool. Uh, that's sort of a throwaway thing. Yeah, that just, kind of takes it away from that, you know, punk sound a bit. It kind of makes it a bit. Yeah, it's more princey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just that moment. But um, he's got to prince it up a bit. Yeah, this is as punk as Prince ever got on record. I think on studio. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. What about some stuff on like Dirty Mind, like Party Up? More, yeah, that's more funk. Punk. More like this new wave. Funk yeah. punk. I like that. I don't think anyone's ever said that before. Oh, there we go. It's now copyrighted. <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of your classic 90s punk, this is as close as he got. What do you think about the gong? I like the gong. I got no Anyone know where the gong. gong came from? No. Well, to me, when I listen to it, it sounds like the song actually goes longer and they've just cut it to segue the thing to make it sound a bit more consistent. They've just whacked it in there. But I think it, it's, it's edited down. I think he just needed a, a way to segue into the dinner with Dolores, and that's, you know, the deadline's there. I need a segue. Gong. Yeah, because I think with giving the uh, releases to Warner Brothers, I think he just wanted to give them the bare minimum amount of recording because this, this whole album clocks in at, like, just under 40 minutes. It's a short album. It's a short album. So it's one of think, the shortest, probably. Yeah, I, I get the impression, like, this song was recorded live, but they've cut it down because he didn't want to give them the whole thing. I think there would be in the vault like a longer version of this song. That would be good to hear. Mm. Okay, so we got the first two tracks out of the way. That's it's dinner good. time. It's dinner time. <laughs> Come on, everyone. It's dinner time. Let's pack it in. It's dinner time. Uh, <laughs> track number three, Dinner with Dolores. Dinner with Dolores Must be some kind of scene Captain. Who's, who is Dolores? That's what oh, I want to know. It's a private joke, I think. I thought I loved this song, but I just like this song. Because it's, as usual, he uses the third song to sort of calm down a bit. I wouldn't call it a ballad, but it's, it's, it's bringing it down a lot from the last two tracks. Uh, it's got great guitar and bass all the way through. Just in the background, there's this little vibraphone, xylophone thing, which is just loud enough. That's good. I like that. And I actually heard some lyrics, and I always remember this line, introduce the carpet to something other than your knees, because <laughs> that is a great line. That I is always, a good line, yeah. I always remember that. Cleaning and, up all the... Uh, oh, I won't say it. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. 
I always remember that line from this song. Um, and only Prince can end a song with no more. That's the end. That's just great. That's how you end a song. You just go, no more. That's the end. <laughs> I've had enough. I'm going home. See you later. That's the end. The great end to a song. Okay, okay. Toe Jam? Oh, yeah, I don't mind this. It's pretty weak in some ways. It's pretty simple. He's got, you know, the A major to G major sort of ringing the top E string, uh, which gives it a nice sound. Uh, it's kind of slightly hippie-ish. Some yeah. good lyrics in there, but then there's some really stinkers too, like <laughs> like a brontosaurus. She was packing it in. That's not. What a, does that mean? I think it just means she's eating a lot. Yeah, she's eating a lot. Yeah. Uh. Isn't the, you know, isn't the most flattering lyric? I just have to say, is this the one and only time Prince referenced a dinosaur in one of his lyrics? <laughs> Prince believes in dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. There goes colonized mind out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting in the respect that it's a song about dating some kind of whore. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about it. The guitar solo is kind of reflective and, you know, sort of summing up the inevitability of the, you know, that this isn't going to last kind of thing. Uh, and it reminds me of Forever, of Lotus Flower. It's got a similar kind of sound, the two songs. Um, mm. But yeah, it's pretty forgettable. I don't mind the two TV appearances he did with um, Eric Leeds playing flute. That was nice. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's just a song, really. Once again, an odd choice for a single, but did he actually choose this single or did Warner's? I don't know. I think it has got some single potential, but it doesn't represent the album in any way. Nah. Which he Should likes to do. He likes to pick <laughs> singles that don't really represent the album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And player, what do you think? I, when this song came out, I could not stand it. And I really hated this song, and I didn't know why it was chosen as the first single. And exactly like what just what Toad Jam just said, I just couldn't understand why this song, being the lead single, was like trying to represent the whole album because it never did. And I was at a loss. Like the only thing I could think of was even Prince was like fed up with Warner Brothers and just gave like one of the weakest tracks off the album. Like he did not care about it at all. That's that's the way I feel about it. But I had to listen to it over and over and again, and I was trying to force myself to like it. I could never do it, but eventually I did like elements of the song. I really liked the the kind of riff, the the like I, I like that. I think that's cool, and the the guitar and the little bells all the way through. I think that's nice, and and the lyrics are kind of cool. But I think just the vibe of the song is just too. I don't know. It just makes me go to sleep. It's just too laid back and doesn't really hold my interest at all. <laughs> it's very similar to the reactions of some of the listeners of our show, probably. <laughs> Dinner with Dolores. And yeah. this was the only single, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. was the only single, and that was it. Yeah, well, what, what, what can you say about this? Um, the only thing that really grabs my attention is the, the fact that even though it's, what, two minutes and 40 seconds long or so, there's a story there, the, the element of the storytelling as a, as a major aspect of the song, which I think is interesting. And he touches on some interesting themes. But yeah, I agree. It kind of st- it stands out on the album. It's not a hard rocker. It's, it's, it's not even really a ballad. It's just kind of a... It's an oddity on, on this release, definitely. Um, but I, I really like the guitar solo, as brief as it is. I think more so because of the tone of that guitar. It sounds that sounds good, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what guitar it is or, or what effect he's using and all that kind of stuff, but there's a bit of a country influence. Yeah, that kind of there's sort of that mini theme throughout the album. It's just preparing you for the next track. Yeah, <laughs> probably. 
All and one after. And the next <laughs> round, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a curiosity. It's an oddity. But what I do think it does is it highlights how much Prince can pack into two minutes and 40 seconds. You know, mm-hmm. although not awe-inspiring, there's a lot in there. And, you know, even in that live version when he adds Eric on the flute and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot in basically two and a half minutes here, which... I think he's very... It just shows a, a great... Someone who, who knows how to arrange with simplicity in mind. So he kind of keeps... You know, he lets the song do its work. You know, th- there's no point um, having a five-minute version of this track. You know, like an extended version would be, wouldn't make much sense in this case. So, I don't know. Interesting. But yeah, nothing, um, nothing groundbreaking. Not that it needs to be, but on we go into track number four. Oh, yes. Entitled The Same December. Okay, I have to declare, this is the best song on the album, and possibly the best song of the 90s he ever recorded. What? Wow. Yes. You're off the show. Gee. (laughs) I've tried that before, player. It didn't work. I'm I'm not sure if I can exactly explain why. But I do. Well, you better explain why, because you just <laughs> I'll made tr- I'll try. <laughs> well, go ahead. The floor's yours. Okay. It's the best track on this album. And, okay, maybe not the best track of the 90s, but top five, at least. I love this song that much. It's better than anything on Rainbow Children and probably anything on Gold, I think. But, yeah, I don't have loads to say about it. It's just so great. I, I can't explain it. If you get it, then you get it. If you don't, then that's, that's hmm. sad. I have no idea what this song's about. I don't care. I just know it's great. Um, <laughs> amazing drumming by Michael B. Um, I love the breakdown into the slow part of 2.15. And I really like these sorts of endings. He did a lot of them. He did it on this song. He did it on Papa. He did it on Strays of the World, on uh, Dolphin as well. And on the next track, Right the Wrong. And uh, and And I started to think... He just sticks these sort of endings on a song when he doesn't have anything else to do. Like, he's run out of ideas, and I was like, oh, this is a good way to end the song. I'll just stick one of these on. But they fit so well, and it fits so good on this song. It's just great. That's all I can say. Okay. It's amazing. The vocals, his vocal is so good. On the chorus, oh, kills me every time. Oh, all right. <laughs> I can play the song, like, 20 times through and not, not be sick of it at all, and just keep repeating it. It's that good. Right at the end, you've got that same sort of underwatery sound, which reminds me of Dolphin. Ah, uh, you beat me to it. And the end of Dolphin on The Undertaker has this cool little bass riff with a bit of stuff over the top at the end of it, just like Zana Lee has at the end of it with a cool little bass riff and some little stuff over the top of it. It's pretty much the same thing, which is just cool. It's just cool. That's all. So there. Well, I'm going to pick it up from you very, very quickly and, and just say something that might be controversial as well. I don't think it's the best song of the 90s, but oh I, will, I, will, <laughs> I will say it's one of the best songs on this album for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it really, um, to me, it's like a, it's got three parts, three yeah. fairly distinct parts. And again, in under four minutes from memory, which is, which is kind of interesting, it, 
to think about, you know, the, here's a guy who really, like, you look at a song like Controversy, and there are countless other examples where he really, like, gets a groove and he nails it. Well, on this album, and especially on this track, like what Captain said, he just, he really changes it up, and the changes at the end are awesome. In fact, they remind me a lot of um, Rock and Roll's Alive um, oh, yeah. towards the end. Kind of uses the, mm. those sort of similar that's elements. That's another one. That's another one. But, um, yeah, same December... I, I have a theory about what I think he's talking about, and that's the reason why I like the song. I won't go into my theory, but I, I um, you know, it probably <laughs> it probably hits different people in a, in a different way. Um, but I think it's very deep, actually, lyrically and thematically. You and do. did you say you do or you don't? Yeah, I do. Cool. Yeah, okay. I do think it's it's it's. A de- I don't agree with everything that I think the song is about, but I think it's very deep. Like it shows a, a level of um, depth of thinking that 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 I think is um, you know he he doesn't always utilize in his song. So this is interesting. The the video clip kind of alludes to some of that as well. And there's a I, I don't think know. How that, to I think s- that might be why part of the reason why I like it. I can tell that there's some sort of like emotion behind it. I don't really understand understand it, but I can feel that there's something there. Mm. And that might be why another reason why I like it. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would put it up there with um, with some of the best songs he, he did in, in that decade. Certainly, it wouldn't put it as high as you, Captain. But uh, there's something about this track that is at once really... It sounds like he's really not trying. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a maybe second or third take. And the band are on point. And uh, I think I can just summarize this song by using the word oneness. I think I think that probably gives away even too much, but um, this is one of those tracks that it, it makes you think a little bit once it's finished. And I'm so surprised that he could fit so much into so so little time. Um, and the guitar's awesome. And yeah, yeah it's, it's a cool track. So uh, let's take it on to player. Uh, I agree. I think it's a really good song. I don't think it's the greatest song, but it, it's a good song with a good message. I agree with Captain Michael B's drums. It's off the chart. Unbelievable. Like, yeah, really good drum. I just keep track. listening to it. and Every time I listen to it, you can listen to something different. Like one time yeah. you just listen to Michael B just bashing it. Yeah, he's oh, smacking so the hell out of it. Yeah. And that's oh. really, really cool. The only thing I don't like about this track is the keyboards. They sound really vampy and... I don't know, a bit cabaret in places. And then, yeah, the crappy digital, like Captain would say. And I think, yeah, some of that's a bit overdone. But uh, otherwise, I think it's, yeah, good song with a good message. What do you think the message is, player? If it's uh, doesn't want to explain it. Well, yeah, it's... And I don't know what it is. Well, it's, <laughs> from what I get from it, it's oneness and becoming one because eventually one day that's we're going to go back to the same December. Is this anyway related to the last December? Uh, I think it's similar in its message. Mm-hmm. Similar sort of take on it without actually saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually think it's funny you should raise the last December. I, I think the last December really veers off into something completely different, whereas this was more in tune with with his kind of mid-90s... Um, Liberal, more liberal mentality and views, whereas last December it goes on to something more, much more specific, and I'm sure we all know what I'm talking about. But yeah, yep. interesting, interesting comparison. Oh. Toe Jam. Wow. Toe Jam's going to say, I hate this song. No, 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 I don't hate it. I don't <laughs> hate it. In fact, when I first had the album, this was probably my favorite song for a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of worn off a little bit 
on me. But um, definitely the highlight is just the arrangement, like we've all talked about, all the different sections. And then to finish off on that, just really fast, you know, everything double time. Just like the first time you hear that, you're just like, oh, that's awesome. And also at two minutes where it goes into that there once was an angel section, like when that change happens, you know, that guitar riff. That's just, ah, that's ear candy right there. So I love that stuff. And I like the sort of country influence again, especially in the chorus. You know, the boom, 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 sort of yeah. baseline guitar, uh, real country sort of sound. So musically, it's probably my favorite song on the album, but I don't know about the lyrics, guys. To me, it's kind of naive, you know. And that section where it's like, we spend the whole time trying to dog. Yeah. Oh, that just comes across a little bit. I hate using the word cheesy, but I'm going to have to say cheesy. So that's, that's the time when you just... A bit of, a bit of Larry G cheese, maybe? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's some Larry G. Feast Yeah. But that's the time when you just need to listen to the melody and not listen to the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Which is strange, because, like, the lyrics good. in the Rainbow Children never bother me. But in these kind of songs, it does a little bit. I don't know why. I'm surprised by that, actually, that you say that. I, I, I can't... I mean... I can see his sentiment, but to me, it's kind of like... I don't know. I still get the impression that he thinks he's got it right. I don't know. It's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, But yeah, top five in the 90s? No way. No oh, way. I'm this is the there. third best song of this album. And, you know, there's a lot of other better albums than this one. Um, but yeah, like the arrangement the arrangement alone does make it very, um, very good. Captain can't take anymore. I'm having a hard time listening to this. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it reminds me a lot of um, Rock and Roll is Alive. In terms of that crazy arrangement, just all the way yeah, through. Yeah, changes. Yeah, so I, they're kind of sister brother songs in that sense. But yeah, let's move on. Okay, and let's move on to. Right the wrong. Yeah! <laughs> Who wants to take this off my hands? How about um, someone who's a big fan of country music? Toe Jam. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I don't know. It's pretty skippable. Oh, uh, my. No, you didn't just say that. I did. <laughs> no. I can't believe you. What are oh. you doing? Well, again, again, the best bit is the arrangement towards the end. Towards uh, the end with the horns. Yeah. yeah. Guitar, yeah. Yeah, the horns are pretty cool in this song. Uh, but, yeah, the first two and a half minutes just don't do anything for me at all. It just sounds a bit silly. A couple of little things I like. There's Before each chorus, there's like a little gap of silence, and you hear the guitar like just do this little chug. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's got this real country gospel sort of thing going on, which is kind of lame but kind of funny at the same time. Chorus is just a little bit too Sesame Street-ish <laughs> to me. Right the wrong. And even towards the end, in the big build-up towards the end, you know, it's almost like Prince is taking the Mickey out of the song. You know, he has this huge hour, which is, and then yeah, that's great. You know, he's like, "Right the wrong, baby, right the wrong," and it's like <laughs> it's almost like he's sending it up himself. Hmm. Um, and then he got that yucky Vader voice at the end. <laughs> I don't know what that is doing. <laughs> that was the um, precursor to the Rainbow Children. <laughs> And I don't like the the chants at the end. Right at the wrong, right at the wrong. It's just oh no. Yeah, it's like ready. it's enough. It's like get freaky, let your head bob. Yeah. <laughs> it's like release yourself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, having said that, it does. I like the sort of party up section at the end where it's all sort of going off and you know party started. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty skippable, really. 
Oh. Okay, so player, are you going to write ToeJam's review? Are you going to write the wrong? <laughs> no, this is all the way wrong. Oh, wow. Just, yeah. Okay. <gasps> it, just, it just comes off as like a novelty song and it's jokey. And I mean, like, I think he's addressing a serious issue with Native Americans and, and all that. But the actual story, it's just like, you know, the the father being put in the burial ground and... And like his voice is coming from the grave, and it's just like you know, it's yeah. It would have been better if the music was more serious because he's got this serious story. Yeah, and then it's just got this sort of happy music, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, something doesn't fit. Yeah, yeah, and then like all the way through, it's like this serious story, and then that, you get to the end, and then it's like he's screaming the the Did you hear me, baby? I'm six feet in the grave, and, and it's just like, well, that that kind of ruins it all, you know. Like, what's the what's the point of the the story or the song, you know? Hmm. But um, yeah, it's just really countrified. I, I can. It just seems like a like a hillbilly song, you know, like right the wrong, it ain't long, like yeah, just. <laughs> Crackle of flame, you know, <laughs> like like that kind of thing. I agree. I think I think what you're trying to say, player, is that Kenny Kenny Rogers was missing in the mix. <laughs> I think it's yeah, it's. I think Kenny does better than than this. The only thing I really like is after that hour scream, the guitar, guitar. That's that's the best part uh, of the yeah. song. Yeah, that's. Cool. I can and like the horns like coming in and then he just playing the guitar. Come out, come out, that, that little part there is the best part of it, but everything else, I just don't like this song. Ooh. Wow. I love listening to this. I don't even... I'm not even going to go into whether I think I like the song or I don't. I love listening to it. Like, I put this on headphones, and I'm just having a great time bopping to the rhythm and, um, yeah, listening to the the horns and the guitar and the... And his, I think his vocals are hilarious on this track. Yeah. Like, the thing is, I think it is a piss take. Um, no. Of the sure, Surely not. I think it is a piss take um, because, like, all the yeehaws and the woohoos and the uh, all the other sound effects and the the change of tempo towards the end and just like the cheesy country bass line and all that kind of stuff. I think it's just Prince in country mode. But, like, he could never pull off a genuine country song, I don't think, because obviously, you know, it just it just wouldn't make sense. So he's just having fun with the genre, and he's taking the mickey out of it. And the thing about country songs is, most of them, like, 95% of country songs are about, like, a broken heart. Like, one lover leaves another, <laughs> or one person leaves another, and they're just about yearning and, sh- and crap like that. Or oh, your dog's dead. Or they're about... My dog died. I ran over my dog. <laughs> Something, you know, like I shot my wife and she fell on the dog. The dog exactly. died. That's that's good. But what's he talking about here? He's talking about Native Americans. Mm. Which I mean, like, if you were to do that here in Australia and talk about Aboriginals and then like did a piss take on it, like you did a polka. Well, this is the thing. I don't think he's <laughs> taking a piss take on the theme. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that the that the music needs to be dark. And it has to have this dark undertone to sell the message. Although I it do helps. agree, yeah, it helps. So I do agree with you guys that the message is kind of lost in mm. translation. But um, I don't think he's poking fun at that. I guess I, no, I don't think it's intentional. But yeah, whether it, it kind it, of confuses me what message he is going for. Hmm. 
I don't know. The, I, mean, the, I think the verses are pretty... Um, it's not throwaway, uh, although probably player in Tojam <laughs> seem to think it is. I don't think it's a throwaway track. I think it's just a very, very interesting idea that maybe hasn't been executed as best as it could. But I think there's just too much... It's not a simple song. Again, uh, maybe it's a theme on this album. There's a lot of stuff happening in, musically here. Um, so, I don't know. I just love jamming to this. And you can imagine them playing this live, like, with literally with no overdubs, even though there are a few. Oh, yes. You could imagine them. And I could imagine Prince pissing himself, cracking up, <laughs> gr- grinning the entire time. Like, you could picture Morris, like, cacking himself. Michael B, like, a bucket of chicken on the side, just, like... <laughs> Losing it, Sunny T just like running a mark on the bass and just doing all kinds of stupid stuff, you know, making faces. You can just imagine them going hardcore on this track. I don't know why. I always hear that when I hear this, and it's just like a big arrangement, big and bright, and I really like it. So on to Captain. When Prince comes to Australia, he can play this song. I'll be very happy. <sighs> that would be so good. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. This song is great. The The lyrics, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You don't listen to them. I have listened to them because they're so different to any other lyrics that I've listened to. Especially, you know, with, you know, this sort of lyrics with this sort of song. You're like, just why? Why did he put that and that together and think, yeah, that'll be a good idea. They don't really go together so well, but I just don't listen to them. So that's fine. Bass and the drums all the way through this track are great. There's some good backing vocals on the chorus, but you can't really hear them. They're sort of buried, but yeah, this sort of got a bit overproduced, this song, with all the weird little sound effects and things here and there. And like the Darth Vader at the end, and I don't even know what he's saying. I don't even, I can't even understand it. No, I can't understand it either. A 17 year old boy that gets three years jail for stealing an ice cream. (laughs) Come on, man. Like, no, 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 not that one. The one at the end. That's a different one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a different one, but it's just the same thing. Like, I don't get I it. It goes from... I think it's uh, scripture. I don't know. All I can hear on that Darth Vader at the end is something, something. He has to right the wrong. And that's it. That's all I ever hear. But he talks for like, a, you know, 10 seconds before that. I can't hear anything. Mm. But yeah, like Player said, the funky guitar breakdown's cool. And the snare sound, the most beautiful snare sound on this track. It just sounds so good. Just listen to the snare. That's See, you can just listen to this song. Just listen to the snare, the whole song. Don't listen to anything else. That's all you need. That sounds so good. And that's it. Okay, track number six, Xana Lee. Yes. Captain? This song sadly suffers from overproduction. Oh, come on, man. You've lost it. There's no overproduction in it. Are you kidding me? Do I need to hear a, a police scanner all through the song? <laughs> but that's not that's not necessarily overproduction. It's hilarious. That's the best part of this track. That's right. It's rubbish. I could care less about everything else. The funniest thing is when he's like, Oh, we. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's oh sorry, I'm just uh, like, shut up. You're ruining the song. That's no, the funniest no. part of the this, whole album. This is such a good song. And it's just, oh, it's just got this crap all over it. Uh, I've got to go, what, 10-4. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> no, I reckon he recorded this great song, and then he thought at the end, oh, hang on, I'm giving this to Warners, I better crap all over it. <laughs> and totally ruin it. <laughs> That's what he did. No uh, chance. So sad. It's such a good song. Again, 95 Gold Experience Tour, he was playing the video of this. 
the original trio version with none of this police crap all over it. We got a domestic disturbance here. Oh, it's rubbish. <laughs> and there's a few horrible little synths in there as well. You could have done without them. But no, original version, if you can ever find it, that's the one you want to listen to. But oh, it's got a great start. Okay, let's go. It's got a great start. And then a the guitar. And then the bass just goes off. And it's just crazy. But yeah, then it just gets a bit ruined with all this weird stuff, which doesn't need to be there. It's, that, it's good enough. You don't need to add all that. More amazing Michael B on the drums. Again, another great breakdown at the end. Great bass in there. And and see you tomorrow, big ass. That's just a great end too. <laughs> oh, but that's funny all of a sudden to you. But the other stuff you don't like. <laughs> is, is that interrupting the music? No, it's in silence at the end. That's no. fine. Don't talk over the music. That's what ruins it. But it's a really good song. And it just annoys me to death that it's got this crap all over. Next. I can't say more. <laughs> Play it, what do you think? Uh, I love this song. And I love all the police scanner all over it. Give me more police scanner. <laughs> Give me I will with police scanner talk all over it. <laughs> please, please more. No, it's hilarious. It's it's so funny. And what makes it even more funny is it's not even like overdubs. It's like all done in one take where he's alternating between the police officer and his sergeant or boss and he just does it in one take it kind of reminds me of on um body counts album the first track i think it's called smoked pork it's like an interlude just before the um the whole body count album and it's ice t's changing a tire and he asks the policeman for assistance and he says no i'm eating the donuts but ice t is doing like the role of both the guy and the police officer at the same time and it, it reminds me of that and it's very similar here. And then just the way he's like, this guy is witnessing this threesome and he's just looking through the window and trying to report back. And then <laughs> just the noise. It's, it's hilarious. It's, I love the part where he goes, uh, I'm just, yeah, he's, he's like, I'm picking through the window. Oh, gee. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going, uh, oh, gee, uh, would you look uh, at that? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> hilarious it's the best song and it's like a really cool rock and blues number too so yeah big points for this one i just don't think it needed because prince is already doing the song from his point of view no it needed it then why add a third point of view with the cop because it's hilarious (laughs) it might be but it didn't need it. it the song's good enough without it i think that's what i still think that's what makes the track yeah. Uh, it's the charm. It's the charm of the song. I don't know. Tay James, settle this. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to because um, when I s- started writing my review for this, um, I thought, oh yeah, I know I'm going to write for this. The um, police voice is annoying. <laughs> exactly. And then I listened to it, and then I listened to it, and I found myself just cacking myself all the way through it. So, in some, I'm kind of you know sitting on the fence here. Yes, the police voice is funny, but it would be cool to have a version without it. Yes, um, yeah, I agree. It's funny, but I just don't think it needed it. <laughs> it's the kind of thing like, because I haven't listened to the song for ages, and when I heard it, I just started laughing because I hadn't heard it for so long. But I know if I hear it, if I listen to it again tomorrow, that police voice is going to annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> just because just Captain said. <laughs> um, speaking more about the music, I love the just the riff of the song. Uh, mm. or the lead line I guess you'd call it that that's just mm. classic you know country blues kind of riff um, and it, but it's you know it's really heavy and distorted 
and it's got a cool turnaround. Yeah, it's cool. Um, silky, silky smooth. And I like the very last verse, if you want to headline that verse, and it sort of breaks down and you've got this real nice bass playing and this cool sort of light harpsichord sort of floating around <clears> in the background. And the really great nice. bass. Great bass. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I really like the ending too. Uh, see you tomorrow, big ass. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a really fun track. I wouldn't praise it too much because it, it's really just a, a fun kind of blues. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good for what it is. Great. All right, I'll, I'll round this out by saying it's it's brilliant. I think I've pretty much said everything about this track anyway. So uh, the last thing I've got to add is just whenever Prince does this sort of stuff, just like with Right the Wrong and just like with Zanali and even with something like Chaos and Disorder, just this kind of general rock style or rock blues progression riffs that he comes up with, is it just me or does it sound so easy? Maybe it's just because we're used to such different sounds from him you know, different genres, I guess, as well. But I don't, I don't know why. Like, I hear I hear these songs, especially Zanali, and I'm like, man, he's. it sounds awesome, and it sounds so raw, and the band's tight, and it's just such a good, heavy, rocking sound. But it's almost like these guys could do this in their sleep, yeah, especially it's him. Effortless. It's effortless. Yeah. That's exactly right, you know? And it's like, that's what makes a song like Zanali really cool, because you can imagine Prince standing there, like, riffing on the guitar. Like, literally, like, it's... Like, it's nothing. Like, he's just cooking breakfast. Hey, boys, let's do a blues today. Let's do this. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And that change you like. I could seriously imagine them coming up with that on the spot, whether it was a band effort or, or whether he was like, okay, let's just play it down the scale and then go, and beautiful, you know, turn around. And just this kind of stuff just makes me think, wow, the less he tries, the better things come out. You know, like, listenability factor on this song is high, very high. This is essential earphone listening and uh yeah humorous as well just uh, in regards to this police voice just a thought uh, simpsons the simpsons no no, no. It, it reminds me you know he's also done something similar in um all the critics critics yeah yeah where he has the That's right. uh, yes sir he's definitely masturbating you know yeah and also on uh miles davis record in uh you're under arrest miles does the, the same thing where he acts out as the policeman and himself that's right. Yeah, Miles is going, you know, put your hands up. Talking about art, you know. <laughs> well, then so, I suppose know, he can say it's in, Bob, it's in Bob George as well then, isn't it? Yeah. 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 There we go. But there, it's like part of the story. Okay, okay. I think <laughs> I think we better go into the uh, I rock, therefore I am. My review will be brief. This song... Oh, it just doesn't need to be on this album. It should have stayed in the vault and we should have gone straight into Into the Light. So that's my entire review. I just think it's just so unnecessary. There's really nothing other than some pretty cool guitar um, licks towards the end, but it's just so unstructured and not memorable and I've got nothing else to say about this. I'm going to go straight to player. Uh, I think this this song's okay. It, like in a rock-dominated kind of album... This being like a funkier, dancier track, I think it's cool that it's on there. Some of the lyrics are cool. It reminds me a bit of Uptown about the hair and the clothes and doing what you want and being more free-formed in your attitude. I think that's cool. I wasn't really taken by the rapping on it, but listening to it again recently, I really like the ragga rap and the... The other guy, Scrap D. What, the... 
Yeah, I, I do, you know what? I, you know why I don't mind it because it's not like Prince trying to do it. It's actual guy. It sounds like it's someone from Jamaica actually kind of you know doing it. So it sounds more authentic. And like the other rapper Scrap D, I think is a lot better in his delivery than Tony M. But yeah, I mean it's not like life changing. Like I can sit through it and listen to it. But yeah, I think it's okay. It's an okay song. Okay, Toe Jam. Um, does it make Does it make you want to holler? Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe not. I don't mind it. the The rap kills it for me. Um, the the Jamaican rap just doesn't fit for me at all because it's this kind of real dancey, almost like you know Minneapolis sound kind of hook to it. But that's cool, and it's a really angry track. Like if you're peed off with someone, you know, you put this song on and it's like, yeah, you know. But yeah, that rap just doesn't fit to me, and it just sounds. I agree, it doesn't fit. I re- I agree, it doesn't fit. Just sounds a bit the like song, but it, I think the delivery is is okay. Yeah, I can just sort of see Prince going, "Oh, what should I do with this now? I know, I'll put a Jamaican rap on there, <laughs> just out of nowhere." And but actually, interesting in this one, there's the lyric, um, "Someone just sent him twelve CDs for a dollar." Uh, so that's possibly the first reference to uh, you know the bootleg thing. Uh, and the internet sort of starting to take over in that regards. And it's it's the song kind of finishes for me at three minutes, and it sort of goes on for another three minutes. And in some ways, I think it should have finished halfway through. But having said that, there are some cool bits towards the end um, with the solos and the synths. The scrap D rap isn't too bad, but it's got that horrible line that I said at the beginning, grab your condoms and Bacardi, let's party. <laughs> Terrible. But uh, yeah, the breakdown also uh, reminds me of um, cause and effect. You know, this sort of heavy arrangement again, rock arrangement. So yeah, it's a, it's got potential, but it's just kind of killed by that rap for me. And it sounds like it's more of an emancipation sort of sound. It would have sounded better on emancipation than this, I think. I think that synth is just like Captain will hate it when we get to it. I like that. That's that's that and the just the sentiment of the song are the highlights. I think. Okay. So, Captain? Oh, no. It's almost like he got to like this point in the album and said to himself, hang on, this is a Warner's, Warner Brothers contractual obligation <laughs> album. I haven't screwed this up completely yet. The first six songs are way too good. I better fix that. Here is the biggest load of rubbish I've ever done. There you Ooh. go. It is bad. Bad, bad, bad. This is, this is a, a song title in search of a song. And wow. unfortunately, he never found it. What a good way to put that, actually. I completely agree with you. It's a good song title, and then he's like, oh, I'm so great, I can make any song out of a title. Well, not, not in this case. It was... It's kind of ironic in that respect, with the song saying how good he is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but maybe it's meant to be. <laughs> maybe that's what, that's what it's meant to be. Who knows? Uh, the only good thing about this song is you can hear Rosie Gaines... But that's about it. That's just and the awful rapper. That's just scrap D. That's just awful. The synths are awful. The crappy. Uh, I can't. I got nothing to say. <laughs> it's just bad. <laughs> it. All right. Hey, hey, okay. Going on the rap, right? If you had to choose between a Tony M rap, this rap, and a Dougie Fresh Acura rap, how would you rank this one out of, out of the other two? Oh, it's worse than Tony M. Do you reckon? Oh, yeah. yeah, I'd take a Chuck D rap or a... No, not a Chuck D. Chuck D. Separate Chuck D. Chuck D. But, but you're asking me who 
likes Tony M, so <laughs> how's that going to help you? Okay, what about Acura then? This I, rat, I don't like, even know what that is. That's a car. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that Acura wrap, like that specific wrap and this wrap, if you were to take one over the other, which one would you take? They're both horrible. I, I think I like this one least, even less. This song's just got nothing going for it other than the title, <laughs> just like Captain said. It's just... He just wants to be cool, and the more the more he tries to sound cool with this track, the less cool it is. For me, this album just ends at the end of track six. It should have just been an EP. It should have just been six tracks that were great instead of just filling it up with the rest, because it's just downhill from here. We know how your review is going to end. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, okay, let's go down that hill. Track number eight, Into the Light. It is sure is the candle burn. Now, into the light slash I will. Yeah. Take it away, Toe Jam. Ooh. Um, <laughs> into the light is very nice, but it's a little bit Christian rock for me. I never thought about that, but it is, isn't it? It's got a big, cheesy love sack solo at the end that I'm not a huge fan of. But the intro is very nice, and you know, I appreciate his sentiment um, that he's trying to portray. But I don't know. Even a baby knows that as sure as the candle burns, every soul must return into the light. A baby knows that, really? <laughs> uh, I know I know he's not literal there, but well, maybe he is. Who knows? But yeah, it's just a little bit I can see this down at like a Hillsong kind of performance. <laughs> but um, I will, they segue really, really well together, obviously. And they are kind of two of the same track. I much prefer I will because it's not as specific to me, the, the lyrics. It's more just about positivity and, and affirmation. Even though I think I know what he's talking about, it's not as specific. You can, you can listen to it and, you know, come up with your own interpretation. And I love the way that after each verse, it kind of sounds like it's going to go into this big rock bit, and it doesn't. It just sort of keeps flowing um, with some nice guitar work and um, really nice muted horns throughout it. Uh, I think I Will would be a great live track done as a duet. That'd be nice to see, I think. And there's a classic Prince guitar solo at the end, and it finishes mm. in a very similar way to um, I Can Never Take the Place take of Your place Man. Your just man. With, uh, <laughs> it, yeah. uh, just with this one high note just sort of held, and that's a really nice ending. So, yeah, really nice watery songs. Definitely I Will is the pick of the two, uh, but they really are one track. I, I think I always listen to them as one track. So, yeah, okay. nice, nice songs. Okay. Captain, what do you think of these two? Uh, into the Light. But, yeah, it's not that bad a track, but after the first six tracks, the whole rest of the album just it doesn't measure up for me. This song's okay. There's not much to it. There's some good backing vocals here and there, some guitar stuff in the background. But is Rosie on this one as well? Yeah. And I think in I Will as well. Yes. A bit. But there you said you got the sax solo, you know. Yay, 1987. That sax solo is just too Kenny G for me. <laughs> yeah, these two. See, after the first six tracks, I, I, I just don't even really listen to the album anymore. I just... Go back to the start again. But um, I will. Uh, not a lot to say about this one either. It's got some nice chord changes, some nice guitar. And you've got to love, the, as you already said, the I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man last guitar note. They're okay. I, I wouldn't be sad if I never heard them again. 
I wonder if Player would be sad if he ever heard them again. Mm, depends what which song you're talking about. Okay, how about Into the Light? Uh, Into the Light, I, 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 for some strange reason, I, I really kind of like the the changes and stuff in, in the song and the little bridge part to the chorus. I really like it. Apparently it's been inspired by the literature he was reading at the time called Embraced by the Light, which I read there as well. It's a pretty interesting kind of book. But yeah, it's it's. I think the I Will is more like the Christian anthem kind of song, but I think I Will would have been better as like a midsection and then it went back into like Into the Light. So have oh, like yeah. Into the Light, I Will as like the middle section. A bit like I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man where how that has like a midsection and goes back into it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's good. I will's just a bit. It gets a bit, bit sleepy for me, but it's it's nice, nice songs. The um the segue between the two is amazing, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It builds up and then straight into I will. That, that's the highlight of the two tracks. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the way everyone sees it. It's like they're two songs, but everyone sees it as almost like one song because it, it does flow so seamlessly. What's the difference with these two songs? lyrically into the lights about you know into the light what's i will about well that's the good thing about i will is that it's just it's more about positivity like it's saying you know i'll you know continue my mission whatever it is you know i will do this i will do that so if they're so musically linked are they lyrically linked or are they pretty different it's pretty separate ideas Uh, you could make a connection or you could not make a connection Mm. but the music you cannot not make a connection (laughs) Gee, we're getting deep tonight. Getting <laughs> spiritual. I'll just finish this off quickly by saying that uh, I think I, I, I dig both of these tracks individually, but also as one. And I love, I love it when he does this sort of stuff. There are glimpses of these sorts of songs and these sorts of ideas on other albums around this time. Yeah. Uh, namely, some of the intros and outros. Just two songs on the gold experience, more heavily on emancipation, I guess, that came after this, especially on, on songs like um, The Plan or uh, yeah. Saviour. Uh, I can imagine him doing this, these two in Holy River. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Holy River, Cur- yeah. Curious Child. He just went through a period where I think he was toying with the idea of different, um, the way that that he puts his chords together and and toying with different sort of different ideas and and maybe that's where this this sag came from it you know or the, the way that one song goes into another i wonder if that was the idea if he was thinking okay well how am i going to transition this into the next part of the song or did he somehow put these two together in, a, in another way that would be interesting but I guess going back to the music I love listening to these they, these are like from my point of view as a Prince fan I would classify these two songs as ear candy because there's some really nice bass work the atmospheres in the background and the kind of ethereal keyboards are, are really nice some good guitar playing some really nice arrangements and also just to kind of it's just a very spiritual feel and like I guess in contrast to most of the songs on this album outside of probably the same December yeah showing showing off a, a different side to Prince almost like all those uh, uh, Andreas Vollenweider and <laughs> spiritual mystic mystical figures are, are really coming to the fore um, as influence influencing factors but that's that I'll just say um, 
talking about mixing the sort of spiritual messages, it's um, interesting looking at the inlay. He's got a big Bible there, but then, like, say in the video for like um, the same December, he's got all these like Sagittarius. What do you call that? Astrological stuff, yeah. So, you know, you're right. He is sort of mixing all these spiritual things together and sort of coming up with his own thing. Mm. And and I find that interesting. I, I think it's kind of like a, pl- a certain place in the time he was in, a certain headspace. Yeah. And I think that really um, informed his, the way he, you know, he talks about how he puts his sounds together. Well, I really love this kind of 95, 96 period, obviously for all the rock material, but just like this stuff is just, it's a bit out there actually for Prince, I think. It has, from a sound point of view, just literally from, from, a, from an oral point of view, it's got, it's got some interesting uh, elements. And uh, again, he uses space brilliantly, kind of echoey. And and uh, after that, we're going to track number 10, the second last track on this album, Dig You Better Dead. <laughs> I see somebody said, I dig you better dead, but I'd much rather see if your God is what you said, said, said. Actually, I'm not even going to talk about this. I'm just going to say, refer for this song, refer to my review for I Rock, Therefore I Am, because... I've got basically exactly the same thoughts and I'll just finish my review of Dig You Better Dead right here by mentioning that on my iPod and yes I do listen on an iPod this album <laughs> oh not that crappy digital music this, <laughs> this album is first of all it's in lossless so it's uh, as good as it gets I guess but um I've only got nine tracks on Chaos and Disorder. So when I was reviewing this, I had to actually take out the CD for the first time since I bought it, pretty much. Because, you know, after Xanali, it goes into Into the Light, and after I Will, it goes into Had You. And you know what? This album, when you listen to it that way, or at least for me, sounds so much better and is such a more um, magnificent piece of work, even though it seems to be off the cuff. But anyway, that's my review. So, uh, player. Uh, see MC's review next. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I agree. It's it's just like a constant loop. Like musically, it's it's not a lot there. It just repeats all the way through, and there's mm. nothing really new about it. On the surface, you could say that it's maybe a negative song, but if you really listen to the lyrics, I think he's trying to. It's it's a positive thing. The only part I like in it is the the lead up to the chorus with the um, you know, he's talking about. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and, and valleys. I think that that line's cool, and I think I don't think it's the steels, but it kind of sounds like them doing the backing vocals. But everything else is nothing there. It doesn't really excite me at all. And usually I, I skip this song. Okay, okay, uh, Captain. Yeah, pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> There's this a is, recurring theme here. This is just slightly better than I Rock Therefore I Am, but only because it doesn't have the rap guy. That's the only thing that makes it 1% better. 1% than that, than that track. But it's very average. It's, this is just another song title in search of a song. And again, he didn't find it. <laughs> Keep looking. Toe Jam. Uh, I think we're all in agreement here. And I think potentially uh, this could be the worst full length, like proper song in his entire album discography. Wow. So we're not, so we're not counting purple and gold. That's not, uh, an album track. not an album track. I would, I would rate Purple and Gold higher than this. Yeah, I probably would too. Yeah, I would. <laughs> it's just a lazy loop. And yeah, it is lazy, first, yeah. After the first, after 30 seconds of it, it's done. There's nothing else happening. It, it um, doesn't really... If you ever wanted to show the perfect example of a filler track, yeah. this, this is, is it. The, this is the ultimate filler track. The prime example. The melody of the verse is just 
two notes, one and minor three. It's like it's been done forever. It sounds unfinished. I think he's trying to make it sound sparse, but when doves cry, it ain't. Um, and that stupid bit in the middle where he goes, what the fur? And then you hear some background vocalist going, what the fur? <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, I like that. That's the only bit that I actually hear. Because the track when it's on, it's just so boring. I don't hear any of it, but I hear him say something about what the fuck. And that's all I hear. It's a bit Michael Jackson-ish. It's, I could see this as like a B-side or like an outtake of History or Dangerous, <laughs> which is, I don't know, not a good sign, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> let's dig this song better dead. Yeah, What's good idea. About Does anyone listen to the lyrics? Player, you said you sort of listened to it. Uh, we're still talking about Dig You Better Dead? Yeah. I thought we buried that hatchet. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never heard the lyrics. I just, I don't know what it's about. I have no idea. Player? I think it's like... Play you mm, no, I think you should answer. <laughs> oh, well, I'm only just going off what I listened to before the show, but I think it's like, I get the impression someone said it to him, and then he's trying to, this is his rebuttal to it. Yeah. It's not a very nice thing to say to someone. Yeah, I guess so. So maybe it's made him a bit sad. It's one of those things, like, I rock, therefore I am, and dig you better dead. The the titles are kind of cool, and they sound colloquial. I mean, I rock, therefore I am, refers to something else entirely, but it's still conversational, and they don't come off so well. They come off horribly. Maybe he should have come up with a song and then title it right at the end. That might be a good idea. And maybe maybe that's what he did here. <laughs> Who's to say? Okay, let's get off this. Okay, and let's get on to... Get off this and get on to the final track. Now, guys, hold on to your wigs, because we're about to get heated. <laughs> heated on the Peach and Black podcast, and I say this because I'm taking a guess at what's about to come next. I'm going to introduce the next track, and I'm going to review it simultaneously. Okay. I'm talking about track number 11... Had you. And I'm going to say this, that I think this song, if you can call it that, is occasionally, at the end of listening to this album, my favorite song on this disc. And, wow. And the reason is... That is wow. It is just so freaking strange yeah mm. it is just so strange that everything that came before it all the chord changes all the time changes like all the tricks and loops and you know all the good and the bad from one point of view mine <laughs> namely mine <laughs> i just think it doesn't compare to the simplicity and the brilliance of something like had you but i don't want to give it too much praise i guess because it's not really even a song but just as a as a succession of um notes just so interesting it's unlike most things he's ever done and i think um i don't know it's just poetic very 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 odd in the prince discography and uh when i leave this song to to the side i think oh my top two favorite songs would probably be chaos disorder i like it there and same december but then I always keep coming back to this every other spin. Not that I listen to this often, but it just comes on and I think, wow, what is... I just keep repeating it because it's so short. You can just keep listening mm. to it. And you know that... All that kind of stuff. It just it never gets old. I think this could be one of his best little instrumental compositions. There you go. I said it. Ooh. Okay, now that that's over. Tell you, Jam. 
Uh, I'm kind of in agreement. Maybe not so much, but I see this as like a short poem and not so much a song. Yeah. And in that hmm. sense, it is brilliant for what it is. I haven't counted, but there must be so many different chords on this song. <laughs> it's crazy. And yet each one sounds totally natural to the next one. Hmm. I love the bass vibrato. It's just this little vibrato on each note. just kind of gives it a real spooky sound. It's sort of the, the brother-sister of My Little Pill in that it's, this again, like a short little strange little poem. Hmm. Uh, and I reckon this is Prince's best use of the F word. Yes, definitely. Uh, coming from the song before, which has potentially the stupidest use of it, um, <laughs> this is the best use of foul language. Just yeah. leaving it right to the end and just, you know, there you go. There's nothing, I don't know about you, but it, it sounds to me like it, it's not even, in this song, it's not even a dirty word. No. Yeah. Because it just... It's so, like, he's so resigned when he says it. Hmm. It's like, whatever. But yeah, obviously you can't really compare it because it is so short. And I kind of wonder how potentially good this could have been had it been a full song. Although, again, maybe it would have lost something. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, player? I really like this song as well. If you call it a song, I agree. It's more like a poem. I kind of get the f- same vibe from this song as like, not exactly, but it's similar to Wasted Kisses. And it's kind of a bit of an oddity. If he had it as a, like a hidden track, it wouldn't really f- fall out of place either because it's just kind of a very strange sort of song and just coming out of nowhere. I really like the music. It has that eerie quality about it. And I kind of like the way he... Um, you can read it so many different ways as well. It could either be about a romantic relationship gone wrong or another way people have translated it being the last album and the last song for Warner Brothers was the relationship with Warner Brothers where at the start where he's saying wanted you like how he wanted to be with you know a recording artist and all that and by the end of it it's like you know F you Hmm. like see you later I'm out of here kind of thing so it could be read as like the final letter to Warner Brothers see you later or a relationship I I think it's really cool cool song all right all right and rounding it out Captain I don't know about this one. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? It's, it's just a bit weird, but I do like it when he does something different, you know, something he hasn't done before. I mean, you can listen to Solo. You know, he's never done anything like it. And you listen to it and you're like, wow, that's 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 something different. And, and so is this in a different way. Like Turgem said, there's, there's a lot of chords in this song. And they just it just keeps going, but they all sound like they should be right where they are, even though it's just weird. But it's what there's mostly strings and there's some cool guitar over the top of it. And it's like a minute and ten seconds, no more. Yeah, it's pretty short. That's incredible. Ah, uh, you know what this reminds me of? What's the last track on the Apollonia album? In a Spanish villa. <laughs> kind of reminds me of that. Just thinking about it. Whoa. Where did that come from? That's a blast from the past. <laughs> Listen, have a listen to Had You, then have a listen to that, and hopefully you'll see what I'm talking about. I haven't listened to that song in like 15 years. <laughs> I don't even remember it. Oh. But it's, the, it's an interesting concept for the lyrics, and I, I'm, I'm more on the side of it's about Warner Brothers, but who knows? It, it fits the story. It fits well. Fondled you? Warner Brothers? Well, maybe in a sense. It, it, I well, think start, all, they, all they of those things in a way. Around. Yeah. Mm. All of those things work in a way, either for a woman or for Water Brothers. You know what? It could even be, I mean, maybe in some strange way, written from the point of view of Warner Brothers, but written by Prince. 
Yeah, could be. Kind of reverse psychology there. Mm. Mm. And uh, a lot of, I don't know about this, but a lot of people claim that it was called Had You because the first song, the first Prince song on Warner Brothers. Oh, it was cool. You. For, for you, yeah. For you and Had You. I don't know about that. I think that's just coincidence, but. That would be pretty remarkable, eh? So they, they worked out well as, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's such an intriguing piece. I never thought we'd have so much to say. About a minute ten. <laughs> yeah, about a minute ten. And in fact, the more I think about it, it seems like one of the most sincere, and maybe it isn't, but to me it seems like one of the most sincere things he's done. He just And I think Tojan mentioned the word reserved. There is this really reserved and, and withdrawn sense of of um, loss and melancholy and just an overall sadness that I think really closes out this album really well. Strange track. I just want to listen to it again and again and again. It's it's deceptively um, simple. Deceptively simple. Yeah, but something, it, it just doesn't let up for me. Don't know what it is. Now, the weird thing about this whole album for me, though, is the first six tracks are great and the last half's not that great. Where a lot of the albums we reviewed not that recently, have, there's like a big hole in the middle. But this like starts off really good and then just goes bang, straight down. And and pretty much stays down for me. Yeah, that's where I, I disagree with you heaps. I just think take out I Rock Therefore I Am, take out Dig You Better Dead. You've got yourself a very solid I'll try that. I'll take album. out those two clunkers and yeah. see how it goes. It actually, like, Xanali actually, funnily enough, goes really well into the light. I don't know why, but... What? See you tomorrow, big ass, and then straight into the light. <laughs> I don't know how, yeah. It just... Listen to it. You'll see what I mean. It it's works. like, it's like, um... It's like, you know, when you, like, flip to the other side of the vinyl, you know, and it starts uh, yeah, off yeah. with, like... Something different. Yeah. I think in terms of... It does start off fairly strongly, to me, the first three or four tracks, uh, and then it kind of dies a little bit, but not too much... Uh, but then you've got I Rock and um, Dig You Better pretty close together. And then the two in between that, Into the Light I Will, it kind of brings the album up a little bit, but perhaps not as much as I would have liked. And then Had You is just an interesting little end. So I don't know. It, if anything, there's a trend going down throughout the album for me. Maybe that was the plan as well. <laughs> to give Warner Brothers just an album. It starts off good and just gets worse and worse. <laughs> Just like the relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what would you give it out of 10, Captain? Oh, if I could do it on the first six tracks, it would probably be a nine. <laughs> but because I've got to do all the other tracks, it's probably going to be like a five and a half or a six. They just bring it down so much. Uh, I think I'll go with six. I really like this album, but just the first half. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be six. I'd have to agree with Captain there on my scoring without going into too much detail. I just think that probably around the same uh, scoreline. It's just not, you know, because it's Prince, we all, you know, we, we, we're ruled by expectation. And I think that's unfortunate because you always expect everything to be kind of diverse and all over the shop. And although it is, it is, <laughs> although it is, it's still like, you know, there's no funk numbers. There's no real ballads there's no and, and that's a good thing he's showing his diversity so maybe it's even a little bit higher for me maybe a six and a half or or a seven i mean if i take off i rock and I, if i take off dig you yeah this is probably like a solid seven seven and a half for me but you know if those stay on maybe a little bit lower so but you remember when we did the vault we said the three albums he gave to warners as you know these contractual obligation albums chaos and disorder was the rock album uh, the Vault was the jazz album. Come. 
Come was was the whatever that one was. <laughs> Come was the, the freaky. <laughs> the other contractual obligation one was Girl Six. Ah, oh, could have been. Yeah. And that required no work at all. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, player, what about your score? Uh, let's see. I think this album is good enough, but it, it kind of loses its impact over time, especially when you listen to things like Dreamer, which is sort of more rock-heavy, like in that one song, than kind of like this whole album. <laughs> I think um, if you substituted some of these songs with some of the songs he had and chose not to put on this album, namely Empty Room. Oh, wow. Or oh, yeah. Acknowledge Me <clears throat> instead of, say, um, I Rock Therefore I Am or Dig You Better Dead or Rip Pop Goes the Zipper. Those were strong tracks that he could have put onto this album and he didn't. And maybe he didn't put them on the album because it was like a contractual warners, so he didn't want to give it to them. But I think that might have brought this album up. Imagine, like, yeah, like you said, Empty Room. Imagine Empty Room and Calhoun Square on this as well. Yeah, that's right. So it, when you look at it like that and what he had and what he could have done, and I'd have to give it, like what you guys said, maybe a six. All right. So, Jam. Um, it's funny, this album, because it is the NPG Trio album, but it's it not is. the definitive NPG trio, trio album that it could have been. That's right. Um, I'm pretty much reiterating what player just said like to me take off i rock and dig you add peach dolphin oh yeah machine oh wow kind of track (laughs) but they were were already released yeah but i think it kind of suffers by it's it is in some ways is kind of the second tier of mpg trio songs Hmm. but there are some great moments throughout so it is a good representation of that sound but it's not the best that it could have been i suppose so i'm going to give it a six and a half out of ten but um, I also think it's his, probably his rawest album at that point since Purple Rain, potentially, uh, just in terms of that live rock sort of sound throughout the album. So, yeah, I think six and a half is what I would give it. There's just a little bit of a cheese factor, which kind of takes it down. Some of the humor moments, you know, the countryness to it in some parts, just a little bit cheese that takes it down a bit for me. But it's not a bad album. It's one of those albums that when you do pull out and listen to, you're normally surprised at it's normally exceeds your expectation. Hmm. So, yeah, six and a half. When I listen to it, I, I've been listening to it for about two weeks, a lot, and the first six tracks, when I, the first few times I listened to it, it just blew my head off. I'm like, how good is this stuff? Pretty good, eh? <laughs> and then as soon as the friggin' drums in I Rock There For I Am, I'm like, yep, back to track one. <laughs> I just I can't get past it. Take those two out, and you're going to really blow your head off with the nine tracks. <laughs> I'll try it, but I think my... My view of uh, I Will and Into the Light are sort of dampened because it's in the middle of two such horrible tracks. I just can't get to them because I don't, I don't just skip. I, just, I, I could just skip and go straight to them, but I just go back to the first track and start again. But I, I should listen to those two a bit more maybe. But yeah, I'll take out those two, see what happens. So that's that. Just a quick roundup of the Chaos and Disorder album. Yes. The vote we did last year. Do you want to hear the Oh, order? yeah, yeah. Where did yeah. they come? From the lowest. From memory, Dig You Better was pretty low. Yeah. But it wasn't the lowest. The lowest was right the wrong. Oh, what? I cannot believe that. It's 15 votes only. That's that bullshit. That just means Prince fans do not have a sense of humour. Exactly. What the is wrong one? with them? Oh, we'll wait what? till you get to you know one. Of, you know one of those 15 votes was mine. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably all 15 of yours. <laughs> <laughs> you can only vote once. 
Okay, so right the wrong, and then it goes, I will, had you, oh. dig, dig you better dead, I rock, therefore I am, into yeah. the light, the same Here December. Here we go. I like it there, dinner with Dolores, chaos and disorder, and the number one song is The Police Scanner. Oh, wow, so I would have thought, um, yeah, I would have thought I like it there or Chaos and Disorder would be number one. Hmm. No, Zanalee is a great song. It's just, you just got to get past the, the annoyance oh. of the police, man. You just said Prince fans don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you need to enjoy that song. That's right. See, how can they hate right the wrong, but they can love Zanalee? I don't get that. Uh, shout outs, Dolores. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Jesse wow. from the basement. Yeah, thanks for the feedback, Jesse. Victor, Victor Chan, uh, Obama. The kid at the um, North Sea Jazz Fest stand who let you put your shirt up. Oh, I don't have his name. Uh, anyway, you kid, you. Shout out to uh, Cohen, Cohen Hagerman. You know who you are. <laughs> Stepper Rex. Give it up for Stepper Rex. Hey. Oh. <laughs> shout out to the guy who did the rap on that song. Yeah, please, I think we should give please, a shout out to. Uh, please don't ever do it again. Scrap D. <laughs> who else? Michael Mack. The policeman. <laughs> yeah, the policeman. <laughs> Big ups to uh, Ray Hanfeld, Dave Friedlander, Steve Durkey, Shane Keller, Caesar Sogby, and Femio Hernandez, uh, otherwise known as the guys who overproduced Chaos and Disorder. <laughs> oh. According to Captain. <laughs> Yes, they did. I will have all of you guys on this show to discuss your overproduction. <laughs> they're just doing what they're told. True. Very true. So that's it. So this is the 15th anniversary. 15 years. It's been that long. 15 years since Chaos and Disorder sounds crazy, doesn't it? Very crazy. <laughs> okay, for the greatest TV performances of all time, we're very, very soon going to close this vote. So this is your last chance to get your votes in. So click the link on our website or our social network pages, go in, vote, make your vote count, and we will announce the winners of the best performances next episode. So get cracking. Vote your pants off. Vote, 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 if you haven't already. Uh, We have a question from George. George, what's your question? Uh, George's question is, um, when's the spin-off podcast coming out? Oh, well, uh, we're uh, having some uh, trouble there, uh, Sergeant. Uh, <laughs> see through the window there. Uh, doesn't look good. Uh, <laughs> not quite done yet. Uh, <laughs> is that what they're calling it these days? <laughs> yeah, the spin-off is well and truly spun off. Hasn't spun off, actually. Uh, it's, it's happening uh, eventually. We're just slow. Yeah. We've already done four. We can confirm that. Yeah. Four episodes. We're four, just trying to... F- full episodes. So there's four outtakes of Peach and Black out there. <laughs> That's right. But it will come out this year, 2011. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Something big is coming. Hi, this is Shelby, and you are listening to the Peach and Black podcast. Further your Peach and Black experience on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as the Peach and Black forums. You can also subscribe to the Peach and Black podcast for free at iTunes. Stay tuned and stay funky. Hey, I've got the perfect end for the show. No more, that's the end. (laughs) (laughs) See you tomorrow. Big ass. (laughs) 